Our deepest desire is to know that we are worthy, worthy of loving and being loved. This podcast explores how to love, how to love fiercely, and how to be guided by the heart and trust in the most powerful energy in the universe, love. Our task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within ourselves that we have built against it. Welcome to What Would Love Do? Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to episode 18. So I've called this episode The Fish in a Fishbowl. Of course, as always, wherever you are, beautiful soul, I hope you're having an amazing and gorgeous and light-filled day. And hey, if it's one of those days where it absolutely sucks, I want you to know that you are loved and that you are not alone and that this too shall pass. And it's okay to have these sucky days, right? Because we can't experience the heights of love without understanding the depths of despair. And each moment that challenges us is a real opportunity to lean in understand it for what it is and uh we're just building that muscle of being able to choose to live from love over choosing to live from fear so episode 18 i'm calling it the fish in a fishbowl so i want you to imagine there's you know a little fish and this little fish lives in a fishbowl so the reality for this fish which is valid for this little fish is that everything must live in water and the reality for this little fish is that everything can breathe in water the, the food that they need lives in water and that they will the world is just a big bowl of water and there's uh you know there's these edges that once you tap into it you have to like swim the other way and the reality for this fish is that this is how life is. It doesn't understand what it takes to live in air. It probably doesn't even know that air kind of exists. It just breathes in water and thinks that everything else, you know, everything, this is how everything in its world lives. And it may think that there are other fish out there. It may not. Who knows? But, it, you know, that's the world and the reality for this fish. Now, as an observer, as someone that can see a uh, bigger perspective and observe this fish we can the observer is objective right the observer can see other things that are happening other things that are going on the observer can see that the, the fish's view of life is one view of life and that there are as an observer we can say that there are animals that live on land there are animals that fly uh, we can see that there are different kinds of living things that make up this world but we are the observer of that little fish however that little fish is limited in what well when we say limited in our point of view the little fish is limited however in the fish's point of view it's not like this is reality so i want you to consider what it what it takes to be the observer of our own self what does it take to be objective of where we are what we are doing and be the observer of our own life because we live in a little bowl like right and the bowl or the water that we're living in is like the beliefs that we have the values that we hold 
what we think is possible, what we don't think is possible, what we think, you know, how we think life is, how we think life isn't. It's our subconscious programming about who we are in the world, our relationship in the world, our relationship to the world, what we believe is true about love, about life, about spirituality, what we believe is false, um, ideals that we have, like all of this is the water that we're showing up, like, you know, we're swimming through. All of this is the bowl that we've created for ourselves. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm not, I'm not judging it. I'm not condemning it. I'm just saying it's just something to observe. And so to be an observer of our life means that we can then start expanding and seeing who we are and how we show up from an objective objective point of view. And anything that stops us, anything that doesn't serve us anymore, we can now let it go, right? And I think it's really important to be the observer of our life so that we're continuously expanding, continuously expanding our relationship to the world, um, understanding what is reality and expanding our our place in the world and understand, expanding our view of reality and getting a deeper understanding of who we are as human beings, a deeper understanding of our connection to ourself. And so this is why mastering that muscle of being the observer of our life is uh, extremely important. Now, I want you to imagine uh, you may have a friend who is constantly creating the same circumstances, right? This is what I mean by observer. You have this friend who may be having a repeated pattern of not being able to hold a job or a repeated pattern of being in crazy, horrible relationships or repeated pattern of not being able to commit to something. Um, Like, you know, you may even have this repeated pattern of trying something all the time but not being able to follow through or getting really excited and not being able to follow through or I don't know. We all have these little patterns and habits that we all have. Now, the power of the observer is that we're able to see it for what it is and we're able to go, well, the thought that's making that like that pattern continuously repeat itself is this. The thought of, you know, if someone is constantly in a bad relationship, they may have the thought, I'm unworthy or I'm not enough, or they may have the thought of trying to find someone that is, you know, let's say they inherited wounds from their childhood. They're repeating that kind of pattern unconsciously um, based on their parents. And, you know, it's, it just is. And I think the responsibility or the accountability of a human being is not to um, be able to accept life as is. When I say that, let me, let me try and think. It's not that you're not accepting life as is because, you know, it's being present, but being able to have the audacity to question, to question everything about ourselves and know that we have the power to alter it um, and be able to be curious about why we do the things we do, why we're reacting the way that we're reacting and are our actions, you know, expanding us or are our actions contracting us And so to be an observer of our life, like, you know, it's really easy to observe friends and family because we're not, you know, we're not living in their emotions. We're not being, you know, we don't feel what they feel. We can actually objectively observe them and understand their pattern, understand our habits. And so that's why when other people can observe us, they probably give us advice, which is really hard to hear. 
And as much as they say what they say, we kind of don't adopt it because we don't like being told what to do, right? Um, and it's not until we have a real understanding of what we're doing what and why we're doing it, then we can alter something. So what's more powerful than actually giving advice is someone asking us the powerful questions so that we can do our own thinking and then we can be empowered to understand why we're doing what we're doing. Advice is cheap, but answering and doing the deep thinking um, and having someone ask us powerful questions is where tra real transformation lives um, and being able to really question ourselves and not be, I guess, uh, precious about our thoughts, our beliefs and our values. So how do we become an observer of our life? The only way that I've figured out how to effectively effectively become the observer of our life and its continual mastery is meditation um to be the observer of your life what we're really doing is slowing down from a scientific point of view is that we need to create more neural pathways or different neural pathways in our brain because human beings we're 95 percent subconscious and five percent conscious in when you know in, in what we do and how we show up daily so neurons that fire together, wire together, and they become like these habits or these automatic things or how we, sh it's, it's automatic. We're on autopilot 95% of the time. So to be able to observe when we're in autopilot and to be able to, I guess, shift and let go of patterns that no longer serve us, we've then got to be able to slow down the brain and that's what meditation does. It actually creates a slower brainwave pattern or, your, your, you know, your brainwave in your brain slows down so that you're creating more gray matter, which means more gray matter means your brain isn't as fixed. And so then therefore the neurons that are constantly firing together, that are constantly wiring together, that based on habits that you may no longer, that may no longer serve you, now you have an opportunity to observe them and I guess get have them disengage, like disengage that neural pathway and create new neural pathways. Now, look, I'm not a scientist and um, I apologize if that's a really poor explanation about why meditation works. However, uh, yeah, that's just what, from what I've learned so far and I apologize if I haven't articulated it well. If you're interested in how meditation is a powerful mechanism and how it's really effective to be able to learn to be the observer of your life, you know, I've, I've raved on about him in the past few episodes. Read something from Dr. Joe Dispenza. That's Dr. Joe Dispenza and his books are Evolve Your Brain, You Are the Placebo, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself and his latest book is called Being Supernatural. I've never read another book that has explained science and spirituality so well and explained how meditation is really powerful and what you're actually doing when you're slowing down your brain waves to be able to create new new neural pathways and to learn to be the observer of your life. Um, he just does a phenomenal, uh, he, yeah, he does, he explains it so beautifully, phenomenally, and um, yeah, he will do the explanation justice. So if you want to find out more, on how meditation works to be the observer of your life, yeah, please read something from Dr. Joji Spencer. He also has some incredible interviews on YouTube um, and there are, um, you know, hundreds of podcasts out there who 
podcasters out there who have interviewed Dr. Joe Dispenza. Now, there are all these different meditations and there's no one right meditation, right? So you've got to find the type of meditation that works for you and that, it, that you know, that you want to be able to do. And so there's transcendental meditation. Um, look, I don't really know what Dr. Joe's meditations are classified as. There's also Vipassana. Vipassana is to be able to, to see things as they are. Now, the thing with what happens in Vipassana, which I've attended the introductory 10-day Vipassana course, is that the premise is this. When we're reacting to something, we're not actually reacting to what is actually happening. So say, for example, you see a person that you don't like or you're in a situation that you find uncomfortable. You think you're reacting to that conversation or you think you're reacting to that person. However, you are actually reacting to a release of chemicals or chemical reaction that your brain has interpreted and now has acted upon. And so you're reacting to a chemical reaction or concoction that has been been released in your body. Dr. Joe Dispenza kind of also touches on this. And so in Vipassana, what it's enabled me to do and understand is that whenever I'm reacting, I'm reacting to an experience of a chemical reaction in my body that lives in my body. And so when we kind of see it that way, we kind of observe our reactions instead of making, like, you know, instead of saying things like, oh, that person made me angry because the person didn't make you angry. You were angry because you were angry. Um, Now, a lot of people go, hey, hang on, no, people make me angry. I'm like, no, you can't because... Once again, I truly believe that we are 100% accountable and responsible for our emotions and our feelings. No one can make us feel any way. No one can make us feel happy. Sure, they can inspire us to feel happy and they can inspire us to be angry or be upset. However, no one can make us feel any way. And the moment that we actually adopt this kind of, I don't know, I guess, belief that we are 100% accountable and responsible for all our emotions, there's actually real liberation. There's actually, it, it just liberates us from blaming other people for anything. And when we stop blaming and when we stop making other people wrong, you know, life becomes um, an experience that we're in charge of. Life becomes our accountability. We can then start mastering what it takes to be the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. And I love that line from Invictus, right? Because we really, I think that's this is where we really thrive when we are the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. So going back to this fish in a fishbowl, you know, we can either accept life for, like, you know, accept the subconscious beliefs that we've inherited and not question it. But then we're kind of always at the effect of life. We're at we're like a leaf in the wind. We're not creating. We're not being masterful about our life. However, when we can practice and take on being the observer of our life, we now are moving into a realm where we are the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. And we're able to start understanding what it takes to craft what it takes to show up and I think this is where the journey of choosing to live from love over choosing to live from fear is magical once we start 
living in the realm of being committed to being the master of our fate and the captain of our soul, we have made a conscious choice to choose to live from love, to choose to continuously expand, to choose to uncover all the barriers between ourself and our truest expression in life over being a victim of our own fears, being a victim of our subconscious beliefs, and being a victim of just these inherited social conditioning that, you know, its purpose is to inspire us to evolve. You know, everything is an evolution. So what worked in one generation doesn't necessarily mean that it will work in this generation. What worked for our families or what our families went through doesn't mean that we need to repeat that pattern. So yeah, this is just what I wanted to share today, which is the the, the idea of being a fish in a fishbowl. And each of us live in our own fishbowl. And what you know, what would it take to be the observer of the fishbowl? And then what would that make available? So those are just like a quick, like, you know, the, the quick thought that I had for today. Um, something, I hope it made you smile. I hope it makes you think. Um, and as always, yeah, I always love hearing your comments and any feedback that you have on the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Look, it's still in its infancy. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, um, a rhythm for it. It's just, yeah, I, I'm really grateful that you are listening because I don't even know if anyone's listening to this podcast. It's just that I really enjoy capturing these thoughts and sharing these thoughts and I'm doing it more so that I can understand and articulate what it is that I'm learning. Um, and as always, you, you like you, when you're teaching something, you're actually learning yourself. And so I value the opportunity of learning. And if you're listening, I'm really grateful for your time and attention. And I do hope that this episode has brought a slight smile to your face. Take care. And I look forward to joining you on the next episode. Have a wonderful day. Bye.